Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Hey. Good, evening, every, good evening, everyone. Um, welcome, everybody, online. Uh, I tell you what, I'm walking on water tonight. Uh, I always share the story. I, it doesn't matter when I'm doing it, uh, even with the uh, youth group. Uh, I'm getting a little more acclimated to that. But I got to use the bathroom a lot right before. It's like a, like a wrestling match. I got to use the bathroom. And then as soon as I hit the door, I don't, I don't like realize these footsteps until I get here. I'm like, okay, I just put one foot in front of the other. And here we are. So, whew. If you're sleepy tonight, maybe you guys should try uh, preaching. That'll, that'll amp you up. I'll tell you what, because I was getting kind of tired here a few hours ago. And now it's like, holy smokes. It's on another level. So let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father God, we thank you so much tonight. Thank you for your word. Oh, it is health and healing to all our flesh, Father. We need it, Lord. I hope, hope to open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to, to receive what you have for us tonight, Father. We give you all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, um, I'm just going to share with you a, a, a study that hit me uh, probably three or four months ago. Uh, I was reading the, the book, Undercover, by John Bevere. And there's just some scripture as you're just kind of bumping along. Um, you ever do that in the morning? Get kind of in the routine? You're just, you're trying to study it out. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just arrests you on one verse. It's like, oh, I wasn't paying attention. What was that, Lord? And you're like, you got to get the context of it. you got to back up. Well, he did that with me. Um, actually, two, two different times. And I compiled this big rabbit trail together to hopefully produce something tonight that the Lord has for us. Let's start in Luke 17, verse 5. Well, let's stop there before that. Uh, I better check my notes. I got to stay on the notes. Uh, title of this lesson is uh, Great Faith, and I can blame Pastor Sean for this with subtitles because subtitles are cool. Um, subtitle, The Greater Our Level of Submission, The Greater Our Faith. All right, Luke chapter 17, verse 5. So this, I'm just bumping along, doing my devotions, and here it is. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord just like, the Holy Spirit just grabs me like, wait a minute. Josh, do you want increased faith? I've always prayed that. You know, you, a lot of times you just say things in prayer and not realize, hey, do I want this? And I've been praying about this, and the Holy Spirit's like, ha here it is. Here's your answer. I'm like, okay, oh, freeze, freeze, freeze. There must be something pretty awesome, pretty awesome for the apostles to ask, like, hey, increase our faith. And I was kind of let down, not going to lie. It's the most natural thing that the Lord uh, asked his apostles to do. Let's back up. In verse 3, Luke 17, verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Nothing miraculous about that, but supernatural. Because you got to look at what the apostles have been accustomed doing. Up until this point, what was it? The law. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And Jesus just straight up slapped him. There's a, a new way. There's a new way, gentlemen. 
And I was like, okay, all right. So I backed up, got the context. Okay, Lord, you got me on the right path now. So then I'm assuming the, the scriptures preceding, or no, forthcoming now, should give us the answer how to increase our faith. And my brain went all crazy different directions, as you're going to see. Uh, verse 6. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Okay, starting on the right track. I mean, all right, he's talking about faith. It's the same, basically the same principle found in Mark chapter 11, verses 22 and 24, except for, you were talking about a mountain, now we're just talking about a tree. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Mike Hill did a lesson on a mulberry tree once that was pretty profound. Um, it's just a rabbit trail what I'm talking about tonight. But mulberry trees were pretty nasty in the root system. I did a little bit of research, and the mulberry trees, uh, this is what it told me about them. It robs water from better plants. It's destructive to turf, utility pipes, sidewalks, and driveways. It causes damage to foundations, to homes, and the roots just entangle itself in everything. So I was like, oh, okay, I see. Well, that's pretty profound. I can, all right, Lord, you're speaking to me. I'm building something here. And then it seems like Jesus got off track. The next preceding scriptures. Uh, the next preceding scriptures stumped me until a few months ago. I've read over these scriptures, and I was just like, oh, you know, I'm in faith, right? Lord, I don't understand, but uh, you're going to bring revelation. So let's read those. Uh, where did we leave off? Uh, six, so we're going to seven. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? What are you talking about, Jesus? I thought we were talking about faith to remove mountains, faith to remove trees. And now he's talking about servants and serving. I was like, wait, 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 Lord, can you just pause for a moment? These are the conversations. I, man, I just, I get stumped and I got to have Lord bring it down to me in layman terms. Like, can I, can I go back and talk about the mulberry tree? That was very simple. I like that. That was, because if you go back there, it talks about the mustard seed. Um, if I'm not mistaken, well, I better stick to my notes. I, no, don't rabbit trail, Josh. Nope. Nope. <laughs> on, that, on that mustard seed, um, can you bring up Romans 12? I don't think I wrote it down here. I think it's Romans 12, 3. Maybe I have it. I have my cheat sheets up here. I do. Oh, you got it. Nope. Romans 12, 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Man, I wish I, I want to talk on that, but nope. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. There, seed, our faith came in seed form, the mustard seed. Like, okay, Lord, let's talk about that some more. Can I talk about that? He goes, no, that's the building block. Now, if you want great faith, Josh, you've got to take that mustard seed and we've got to cultivate it now. He's like, Hang with me. We're going to get to that in the next scriptures. I'm like, oh, Lord, it's so tough. I was like, okay, stay with me. So then we read what he did, what I thought was off track. Which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him, when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. You just, you finished your work. 
You're going to come in, you're going to eat. Jesus is like, nope, slap me upside the head. Nope, pay attention. He's not done yet. He's not finished. So I had to go look back and look at how servants served back then. They worked the field, and then they came and served their master's food. I was like, wow, this is nuts. But I'm going to learn, Lord. But will he not rather say to him, verse 8, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink. So he, he, he hasn't finished. You've got to finish the job. Okay, I already said that. Yep. My notes. I'm going to stick with my notes. Verse 8. Yep. And then go to verse 9. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I wouldn't my This is the conversation I'm having with. Well, that just makes sense. You should, should compliment him, Lord. Nope. <laughs> I, I was so wrong. Like I say, I was stumped in this scripture. These are the conversations that Lord had to just pull out all this religious thinking. And he just, he dumped it all back in with faith. I think not, he says at the verse 9. Uh, verse nine. So likewise, when you have done all these things which are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. All right, so let's break this apart. That was a lot of stuff. Um, I skipped that one. I want to go back to ask some questions back to the servant and what, in that era, what he was supposed to do. We already said it. After he was done plowing or tending the flock, he was to come in and serve the master. Then I asked myself the question, should I not be able to partake in what I have worked for? The wool, the meat, and the milk? These are the questions I'm asking myself that the Lord had to jerk out. No. Once you've, you haven't, you don't get to partake in these things. The tending of the sheep, the working of the field. You don't get to partake in these things until you've served the master. Then you can partake in the, the meat, the wool, and what was the third one? The milk. And I wrote this thing, a uh, note to myself. An unfinished job can be just as bad as one not started. It's like, Lord, what? Like, Okay, now he's starting to hit me pretty good. Um, you, ever, you ever get to... Seeking things out, like the Lord will rest you on a verse. And then you come to find out, you, you, as you study this out, you come that you're just broken. At the end of this study, I was actually completely broken. I'll be honest. Like, I had to repent. Like, Lord, I, I apologize. I wish I would have matured a little bit quicker because now I got some things I can need to repent of. All this revelation's coming in. And then, also, question is, what is the purpose of a servant who works a master's field? And I'll put it in layman terms, employer, employees. What is your purpose serving your employer? The Lord wrecked this on me. What did he say? It is to put food on the master's table. So then I asked, why then would the servant eat before his master was served? 
when he complete his job first? I was like, oh, man, okay. And then verse 10. So likewise, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say we are unprofitable servants. We have done what, we, what, our, what our duty was to do. Two things he pointed out in verse 10. Two things. One, done all. And two, commanded. Jesus brought together the servant's obedience to his master with our obedience to God. And this is, this is where I started going deep. By, by doing this, Jesus made three major points related to increased faith. I don't know if I'll get to all these three points. Um, my goal is one. First point is, there is a direct connection between faith and obedience to, mature, to authority. There is a direct connection between faith and obedience to authority. Number two, faith increases only when we complete what we're commanded to do. I'll reread down again if you need. Faith increases only when we complete what we're commanded to do. And number three, an attitude of true humility is of utmost importance. That's a lot. So point one, let's, work, let's focus on that. Let's look at the connection between faith and obedience. In doing so, let's turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 8. Ooh. Matthew chapter, there it is. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. We're going to read a lot of scripture tonight. Holy smokes. Starting with verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, verse 6, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. So i got to stop there. Let's give some context. I, I, I love war. I love war history and learning about, man, it's so, so cool. I, it gave me context as a husband. Um, kind of feel, uh, what do you know, incapable at times to run a home. I got, uh, obviously, a wife and five kids. A centurion, see, well, let's back up. A Roman legion had approximately, there's some discussion about this, 6,000 soldiers in a Roman legion. Some say less. But some say up to 6,000. So you got 60 centurions that reported to a legion commander. And under each centurion, you had 100 soldiers. It's like, this is intense. So I've got, I, I mean, got some hope to look up to. I mean, these guys, I mean, they're operating on some high-level skill here. To run 100 guys, that's nuts. I'm having struggles just running a home. And I got help. I mean, my, I got a helpmate. So I'm like, these guys, whoo. These guys are amazing. And Roman, these guys were highly trained and disciplined. So I'm like, okay, Lord, maybe I need to get some discipline in my life. Needless to say, I do. Um, one other thing the uh, Lord pointed out here is that this, this Roman centurion is highly skilled and disciplined. And what is he doing? Pleading. Some uh, translations say begging. I mean, look at the context here. This is a guy that had authority. And he had authority over the Jews. The Romans were over the Jews. And he's coming to Jesus. So, I mean, look at the humility here. This, this blows my mind. Begging and coming to a Jew. 
Pretty awesome. Verse 6. Oh, I already said that. Yep. Verse 7. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. I was like, whoa, wait a minute here. He didn't ask him to come. So I was like, are you fishing here, Lord? On verse 6, he was just begging and, complete, uh, begging and pleading. And I think Jesus was accustomed. Oh, yeah, he was just having compassion on him. The NIV uh, translation says, says, shall I come and heal him? And then, this, and I asked the question, the Serentian did not ask him to come. So was Jesus used to a certain level of faith? Because it's going to come out here in the end. He was so used to a need was presented, I'll come. I'll be honest, I just uh, assumed there wasn't a whole lot of faith. Um, me in that situation, Jesus, you coming. Like, you got to get to my house. Like, I, that's probably where my faith is at. I'll be honest, it's, I probably, it needs to increase. Do I want to have great faith? But the centurion wrecked it for me. I'll be honest. Uh, he, he, he went to another level. So, and then, yeah, verse 6, he calls him Lord. And then Jesus says, I will, verse 7, I will come and heal him. Verse 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak your word and my servant will be healed. I was like, okay. That's faith I have not seen before. This guy doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, I mean, he's heard. I assume he's heard about Jesus. That's why he's coming to him. He's looking for an answer. He's heard about something. So he's got to have something about faith. That's faith and seed form we were talking about. He's cultivating it because he came seeking Jesus for an answer. But then he takes it up a notch. You don't need to come to my house. You're not even, I'm not worthy. The humility, I'm not worthy that you should come here. Just speak the word. It's like, okay, man, you have to be like that? Okay. Verse 9, for I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does that. These are some of the notes I had wrote down in this. One, the Roman recognized authority. I wrote another note. We cannot recognize authority unless we are under authority. And now this is just, this is going to start blowing your mind. These are the rabbit trails I start going. All of us are operating under some, some kind of authority. And I'll break it down to the simplest forms. Usually starts off your own. That doesn't work out so well. Young men, man, <laughs> I've done that. Think I know it all, and I think I have authority to do th- these things. And American uh, West has helped, you know, encourage that to a degree, and you fall flat. Two, you can operate under the enemy's authority. Again, you're headed to a wall. Your own authority and the enemy's authority don't end well. And then the third is the best way, the Lord's authority. I wrote this note. Our view can be greatly distorted if we are operating under our own, our own or the enemy's authorities. These authorities do not go far enough. They will lead us to, the fall, to fall flat and helpless. I was like, okay, Lord, if you created all this, you've got to give me some scripture to back this up. Like, there's, 
where, where, where else is it, the authorities? And I was like reminded when I talked to, uh, on the youth group here about a month ago. I kind of beat him up for a while. I need to probably apologize for that. <laughs> we talked about authority for a long time. And they were, uh, yeah, so I apologize. Um, so, and in that, Romans chapter 13, verse 1. I don't know if I got that one. Can you throw that one up? Romans chapter 13, verse 1. I don't know if I gave that one to you. Ooh, I might have it. I do. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Okay, all right. You settled it, Lord. All right. Settled it. If you created it, you may have not put the person in the authority, but you created the position. Okay, I get that. Okay, that helps me. It helps with the flesh, I'll be honest. I'll be honest, I'm with everybody else. I want to find excuses to not follow authority. I want to, well, Lord, they're doing this and they're doing that. Well, again, Jesus, I was learning with you guys, the youth and all this, greatly. They think I was preaching to them, but I was also preaching to myself. And I didn't write it down. It must be the Holy Spirit speaking that out. In Matthew, Jesus actually says to listen to the Pharisees. He's telling the apostles this. Listen to the Pharisees, but then clarifies it. Don't do as they do. They're speaking the right way. They're just not walking it out. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, Lord. All right, yep. Jesus said it. (laughs) He jerked the slack out again. The centurion didn't see Jesus as, as a Jew or something under him, which he could have because he was a Roman. He didn't see Jesus how he dressed, how he looked. I was like, okay, Lord. Uh, I repent because... I had to write this stuff about myself. Maybe this is to you too. How I asked for, oh, Jesus is tough. I'll be honest. But I'll say it anyway. Whew. How do I observe the president, the Congress, local and civil authorities, school boards, commissioners, and the big one for me is pastors? You guys see a more polished version of Josh? I'll just be honest. And even then, it's got some rough edges. Um, I was back in Minnesota. I was not a mature young man. Um, I, uh, I had, I've told Jessica so many times why um, I had to wait so long and marry a younger woman. It's because I had a lot of growing up to do. My goodness. Like, man, we, we did it up. And I was, man. Like, I... I Sean talks about his, Pastor Sean talks about his past, like, I kind of want to maybe go toe-to-toe, like, who, whose past was really rough, you know, but no, we'll leave it as that. Oh, here's some more notes. The centurion saw Jesus as a servant of God under his kingdom's authority. Proper vision then concluded that Jesus had the authority from above, and all that was necessary was the command. Then, sickness and disease would have to obey just as those under his authority obeyed his command. All right, it's like, okay, Lord, how do I get proper vision? How am I submitting to the authorities above me? It's like, okay, I repent, Lord. I've, I've got some repenting to do because you, you get tangled up in a mess when you start not doing this correctly. But the Roman sideswiped all of that because he was under authority. He knew how to operate in authority. And I just, I get a little angry at that time, at times like that. He was nowhere near Jesus and the teachers going on. 
And the anger comes out a little bit because of the next statement. Jesus' response. Verse 10. Chapter 8, verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Man, that was not nice to everybody around Jesus who'd been following him. Come on, the context. This is so I had to go back and read it. What about his mother Mary? What about John the Baptist? What about all the disciples and apostles? Where was their faith? And Jesus just straight up threw them under the rug. Like, ooh, man, Lord, really? And it, had, and it was somebody outside. Isn't that something? Because he understood authority. Man, he's getting it. I'm like, okay, Lord, I got to repent. I, okay, here's some notes upon that response. He had not seen this kind of faith in approximately 33 years of being on the earth. Again, it wasn't his disciples, his mother, John the Baptist, not even from anyone who had received healings or miracles prior. It belonged to a Roman citizen because he understood and walked in sorry. It belonged to a Roman citizen because he understood and walked in submission to authority. And then here's I put a big bold letter for me. Maybe this will speak to you too. The authority in which we walk is directly proportional to our submission to authority. And then our subtitle, the greater our level of submission, the greater our faith. Okay? Oh, man. Um, let's bring this all back now. All back to Luke chapter 17, verse 6, where we just came from. 17, verse 6. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say this to the mulberry tree, be pulled up from the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Let's ask a question. Who does the tree obey? The one who did the things that were commanded him. I mean, this is just blowing my mind. Like, Lord, this is, man. And that's in, and that's in the, the preceding, or the forthcoming Verse on uh, verse nine is where that came from. Okay, that's point one. Point two. Faith increases only when we complete what we're commanded to do. Let's reread that verse ten, seventeen, verse ten. So likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, commanded, say we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. I took a section here out of, uh, from John Bevere under, in his book, Undercover. We as servants are responsible to carry out to completion the will of the master, not just part of it. Are we beginning assignments and then never finish because we lose interest or the labor and suffering become too intense? The true and faithful servant completes the project no matter the hardship or the obstacle, obstacles. He works the fields, brings in the fruit of his labor for his master and prepares his meal. His actions represent true obedience. I was like, okay, Lord, I need an example of this. Like, that's some heavy stuff. I need, I need, bring it down in layman terms. And brought me Genesis 22. I've already passed my goal. We're on point two. This is awesome. <laughs> this is great. Genesis 22. 
So let's give some context. I don't want to read all that. Holy smokes. We're going to talk about Abraham. We know about him, right? Here's some quick notes. I don't want to read all that. God appeared to him when he was about 75 and promised that he would have a son through whom he would become the father of many nations, right? After years of waiting and obedience, Lord had me write that down, and I'll be honest. It's like, obedience, Lord? Well, I know. What about Hagar? You know what I'm saying? I don't have an answer for that, but these are the questions that come out through me. I'm like, okay, you had me write it. Years of waiting and obedience, Abraham had the promised son at 100 years of age. So let's catch up in verse 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. So context of this also, Isaac had his son. He was approximately 12 years old. And in this prior to what we just talked about, Abraham's getting pretty close to his son. And that's when God interjects. It's like, oh, man, Lord, you know just the right time. He's testing us, right? Here I am, verse 2. Then he said, now take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering as one, no, sorry, as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Okay, God commanded, right? Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning, wow, okay, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, arose, and went to the place which God had told him. He got after it. Abraham obeyed immediately. I, at times, mull around for days or even years to complete a task, I'll be honest. And the Lord will stir in you. You know it, right? Everybody done that? Abraham, I mean, come on, man. So if we did the math, simple math, God spoke to him about 75, told him you're going to have a son. He's about 100 years old, has the son. And another 12 years, he's about, well, they, uh, the smarter people than I assume he was about 12 years old, the son. And you're just going to get up and get after it? Oh, man, like... Okay, man, Abraham, you're, you're the man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, I wrote another note for myself here. Do I lack holy fear? Is, is, maybe is why I don't have great faith. Abraham just got up and got after it. Made preparations. I mean, he didn't go around. I, I mean, I would assume he had to talk with his wife, but man, I would find some, somebody to console with. I'll be honest. I'd have been believing for this promise for how many years? And the Lord's going to require it of me? But he understood the command, and then he prepared. Verse 4. So he's going to Moriah. He didn't just tell him to just, you know, go to the next field and sacrifice him. He's continuing the test. The test is improving. Verse 4. Then on the third day, so they traveled three days, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And so I wrote, God gave Abraham an opportunity to turn back. Isn't that crazy? Verse 5. And Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey and the lad, and I will go, all, go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So, 
we all know the rest of the story. I won't read the rest of it. Ultimately, Abraham went to completion. I'm going to stick to my notes. Abraham obeyed to completion. He didn't stop short, even by letting go of the most important thing in his life, his Isaac. Man. Abraham proved his passion for obedience outweighed his desire for the promises. I'll be honest, I don't know if I'm there yet. That is, that's deep. As faith people, we're believing for the promises. But what's more important, the obedience or the promise? What, what's got you? It's like, oh man, Lord, I got to make some adjustments here. We must have this resolve in our hearts. I need to let go of my life. I need to let go of my possessions. And ultimately, I need to let go of all the identities that are outside of Christ. Side note, you read a lot about history. And I keep hearing this come about. Maybe many of you guys that have served in the military can contest to this. Many soldiers are not effective in the time of war until they've resolved within themselves that they're already dead. I've heard this a lot. Otherwise, they, um, uh, many of the commanders I've, wrote, I've read in their documentaries have said that the, they just lock up, the soldiers lock up, they flight, fight or flight you know, syndrome, they'll take off. But the good ones have resolved within themselves that I'm already dead. And they're the most effective soldiers in the time of battle. So I had to look at my life. Yeah, Lord, I'm not very effective. I'm hanging on to some things that I need to let go. Because I don't think I would have got up that next morning all giddy, ready to go to offer up Isaac. I was like, oh, okay. Because I am clinging on to the promises more than the obedience. And this was what blew, blew my mind. The results. Genesis 22, 16 through 18. And the Lord said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. Man. Yeah, right? There it is. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Oh, man. The Lord gave me such a great revelation. You guys are probably way ahead of me on this stuff. But, man, I'm like, oh, I've heard that before, Lord. What was it again? Let me read it. Oh, your descendants shall possess the gate. Your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. It's like, okay, where, where's that at? So I have my notes. Where's my notes? Matthew 16. Can we go there? Matthew 16. Matthew. Oh, man. I don't think I have that one. A cheat sheet. You got Matthew 16, verse 18. New King James. Verse, throw that up. This is Jesus speaking. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Look what came through Abraham's obedience. That is like, whoo, wow, Lord. Man, I need to aspire to this type of faith. More often, I'm so focused on what can, you know, how can this benefit me? 
Abraham was obedient and now we got such a huge blessing because of it and Jesus was able to speak this. Holy smokes. Okay, let's look at the other version of that. Man. And we got to talk about this in youth group. We kind of beat him up a little bit. King Saul. I'm not going to go read it. I love reading scripture, but we're running out of time. Here's some notes. You guys know King Saul. He disobeyed, right? Here's some notes about it. He came, to complete, he came so close to completion, but 99% is not complete. And through his disobedience, it cost him greatly. You guys know that story? Was it Samuel? Comes to him. What's this bleeding of sheep I hear? When he was just commanded, right? To kill everything. He got, but, but I got so close. I saved the best for God. And then we have that scripture God wants obedience more than sacrifice. He got right up, King Saul got right up to the point of putting food on the master's table, but his heart motives were revealed in what he withheld. What are we withholding? He turned, this is, uh, I'm speaking to myself, guys. Uh, He turned the command into something beneficial for himself rather than honoring the one he served. And then I took a, I cheated again. I took this, ex, this wording out of uh, Undercover by John Bevere. How many of us, like King Saul, start out with enthusiasm? Then when things get uncomfortable, difficult, or the result, results aren't as fast as expected, we disobey. Or we see an opportunity to benefit, benefit ourselves while only slightly deterring from the directives of authority. All the while, guilty, We justify it with religious purposes or reasonings. As Saul did when he spared the best sheep for the sacrifices to God. Sheep that were to be destroyed according to the word of the Lord. And this is, I put this in bold for me. You guys can hear too. Awesome. If obedience is not complete, faith will not increase, but dwindle. Abraham received the promises through true faith and endurance which translates to obedience to completion. His faith and obedience were inseparable. Does this sound kind of familiar? Let's go there. James. James chapter 2. We'll probably end there. Yep. James chapter 2, verse 20. Do I have it? Yeah, I do. James chapter 2, verse 20. New King James Version. Here we go. Verse 20. But do, you, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? I've kind of heard this before. Now help, John Bevere helped me understand it a little bit better. He replaced the word in there for me. He substituted works for obedient actions. So let's go back and reread that. Verse 20. But do you not know, O foolish man, that faith without obedient actions is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by obedient actions when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see, verse 22, that faith was working together with his obedient actions? And by obedient actions, faith was made complete. 
Because I'll be honest, I have to reword it this way. Because I've, I've, you know, oh, Lord, I've done something. You know, was it to completion? Oh, man, that hits me pretty good. Verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Verse 24. You see that a man is justified by his obedient actions and not by faith alone. By faith only. And then verse 26. This is what, holy smokes me. Yeah. Verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without obedient actions is dead also. Verse 26. James makes a connection between faith and obedient actions to the body and spirit of a man. Faith can be compared to the physical body of a man. Works, obedient actions, can be compared to the spirit of the man. The two need each other to express themselves. Here's my bold letters again. I'm speaking to myself. Faith is not true faith apart from obedience. Many times my, our vision becomes impaired due to natural thinking. And these are some notes I get to share with you, being transparent about myself. I just don't agree with God, my president, my pastor, my boss. Is that stopping you from being obedient? God didn't ask me to be in agreement. He asked me to obey and to complete And he's asking more questions. Did the Lord tell me to go work at such and such a place and then serve under that boss or pastor? Lord, man, I, man, I changed so many jobs back in Minnesota. I was all over the place. I thought it was like leading when I started getting angry with my boss or I couldn't agree with him anymore. That is not a leading. Did I hear correctly to get into that job? And then a lot of times we'll let our flesh, we'll usually get in enthusiasm. Oh, I heard from the Lord. I'm this way, and then I'll let my flesh lead me, right? No, it's time to go. No, did the Lord tell me to go? And I wrote this question to me. Yeah, when did he tell me to leave? Why did I change jobs, churches, pastors, due to circumstances? I am so quick. This is, this is getting to me. I am so quick to look at the natural. I've always, I'm back, I continue to give credit to Jessica. You did not want to see me when I was a young man. I was led by these things. Thank God the Lord has mercy on us. He works us with, with our faith they're at. He's not expecting imperfection, yes. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But these are the things that led me in the natural. Wages, vocations, health care. These are not leadings. And I'll end with this. Uh, amazing example. It's always fun to be transparent. Um, uh, Lord worked this out before I came here, um, full-time ministry at, uh, at the church here, Faith Family, due to uh, MGH. I was, I was serving here. I was working at FSA and then working in the evenings and doing sound and media and all that stuff. And I got injured, and I was coming to the end, I was on disability, but I heard from the Lord. I was, me and Jessica were in great faith. I, we knew at the end of this disability, or I shouldn't say that, that's a lie. No, 
not exactly. I said, I know, I wish Mike was here. Um, he could probably contest to this. I know, the Lord told me this, that Mike Hill was going to come to me and offer me a job. I think, yes, okay, there it is, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I sat on that for two weeks. The last day of my disability, I had not had this conversation with Mike. So that was a Friday or something like that. And Monday, I had a big decision, right? Lo and behold, I was not budging. I heard from the Lord, right? Mike comes home, let's have a talk. This is great. This makes no sense. This is why this has got to be God. He offers me a job. Well, okay, sorry, back that up. Through that leading, he told me, you're going to take whatever Mike offers you. And very specifically said, if he gives you a shovel, you dig ditches. I was like, okay. That tells me, uh, whatever it is, Lord, I'm doing it. So, previous job, I was a union, uh, making good money, benefits and all this stuff. So Mike, me and Mike sit down, and Jessica, we had this conversation, and this is credit to Mike. Mike had no idea what I was worth. He was being obedient to. He was, obviously, he was led by the Lord to come even talk to me. And he offers me considerable lower than what I was making. But I was like, I can't get mad at Mike for that. He has no idea what I'm worth. He's being obedient to what the Lord's called him to do. And I just step on faith. Well, Mike, at the end of the conversation, my answer was already made, whether you knew it or not. He told me to take whatever you uh, accepted and whatever it was, it was, I'm not going to say what it was, but it took a big step of faith. And what was so amazing to that, like I said, it had to be God. I had no idea what, Mike, what kind of trade Mike was in. I've heard stuff. We'd, that relationship hadn't grown. I was still kind of new and bouncing around. and I knew nothing about drywall. I knew nothing about this stuff. Painting, nothing. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing here? I'm taking huge cut and pay, all this stuff, and you, this is the way we're going? Okay, all right, you, I have to settle it. Because there's the reasoning coming out again, right? Obedience to completion. Okay, you told me to do it, I'm going to do it. And what's so amazing about that is I learned so much stuff that I had to go through through uh, working with Mike. Man, Mike taught me so much stuff. It's amazing. Lord blessed him. Lord blessed me. He ended up paying me more money than I ever made. It was amazing. But you have to hear from the Lord. Why? You can't let leadings, uh, flesh lead you. Because you know why? I never told this, Mike, until we got through the project. It wasn't too long I was working there. Uh, I felt the Lord tell me that I'm supposed to, t- you know, I'll take care of your big project. There's a huge project. There's four big buildings out there. I had no idea what I was asking. I just was being led, right? You ever done that? Same thing with Pastor Sean. Lord told me to go tell him, I'll preach Wednesday. Seconds after I say that, Josh, what did you just do? <laughs> Everybody do that? That's why I just put one foot foot on the other and then stop the reasoning because it, it comes. Doubt comes quickly, right? Oh, my gosh. So I go do those four projects, and after we got through it, it was boot camp for me. Because I tell Mike, after the fact, I wanted to quit every single day. I'm not even, it was no joke. It was, it was boot camp for me, dealing with all that stuff. But did I hear from the Lord, and did I, do I want my faith increased due to, to obedience? So I'll end with that, and man, be encouraged, be encouraged. The Lord tells you, told you to do it. Do it. Get out of the natural reasoning. 
So let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the revelation. Lord, uh, help us to repent in areas that we've, we've missed it at, Lord. Lord, you said come boldly to, to the throne of grace to receive mercy, Lord. So we do. We come boldly, Lord, to ask for forgiveness, to, to correct these ways, to give you honor and glory, Father. Lord, we know that you have the best intentions for us. And in, in those best intentions, sometimes it's discipline, Father. So we thank you for that. We, I come to understand that your rod and thy staff are a comfort to me, Father. Help us to get better revelation of that, Father. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We give you honor and glory tonight. Lord, as we leave here, don't help us to not let doubt creep in. Help us to go correct the things that we're supposed to correct if need be. Lord, we just bind the enemy that there's no condemnation. None of that. But if we're convicted, there's a way out. There's hope. And we have grace to do it, Father. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.